Okay, hello Oberlin. Welcome back to a critical review and live from the Cleveland airport. It's 5.30 a.m. No, no, seriously. I'm literally recording this in the chapel room of the Cleveland airport. It is 5 a.m. Why am I doing this? Because I'm mentally ill. <laughs> but also, I'm boarding my flight to Cuba in an hour for my study abroad, and this, this is just my window to do this. But yeah, so today we're doing a super quick little bonus episode, a middle of the night airport church room bonus episode to talk about none other than Carmen Twilly Ambar. Now, I ran a poll on my Instagram and a lot of you really wanted this episode and I want it too. That's why I'm in the airport <laughs> doing this. So let's just get right into it. Um, Carmen Ambar is the current president of Oberlin College and she has been both praised and criticized for the decisions that she's made so far. To break it down for you, I'm first going to talk about who Carmen Ambar is, her background and her career, and then I'm going to talk about the changes that she's made at Oberlin so far, and lastly, whether or not I think she's steering Oberlin in the right direction. Spoiler alert! I don't, but whatever. Let me tell you a little bit about who Carmen Ambar is. Carmen Twilly Ambar is an American attorney, an academic, and current president of Oberlin College. She is the first person of color to take on the role and only the second woman in Oberlin's 200-year history. Yay! Honestly, go not white men leading our school. <laughs> she was born in 1968, which makes her 54 years old, and her birthday is on July 3rd, which makes her both a cancer to the college and as her zodiac sign. <laughs> I'm sorry, I... Uh... I took a very anti-Ambar stance while writing this episode, but honestly, after doing my research, I feel a lot more ambivalent, so I, I know, just don't, don't hate me. Some more facts about Carmen Ambar. She is the mother of triplets, and she enjoys posting fitness videos on her Instagram page. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about her education. Carmen Ambar is very, very accomplished. She went to Georgetown for undergrad. She has a PhD from Princeton and went to law school at Columbia University. So honestly, go her. Before Oberlin, she was a dean at Rutgers University, and then she served as president of Cedar Crest College in Pennsylvania for nine years before eventually stepping down in 2017. So why did Oberlin decide to hire her? What about Carmen Ambar's career made her an appealing candidate to Oberlin? Well, the word on the street is that Carmen Ambar has the reputation of flipping struggling colleges around financially and flipping tires. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. You're going to hear a lot of bad jokes. It's early. I wrote this script in a hurry. Just, just pl please laugh. 
laugh. It's, it's I'm in the airport, just laugh. Um, so backpedaling a little bit, if you go to Cedar Crest's website, there's actually a whole page written about Ambar that summarizes what she did as president. It says, in an environment where many small private liberal arts colleges are responding to the changing landscape of higher education, na 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 na, Ambar has helped Cedar Crest to thrive. Three straight years of multi-million dollar surpluses and a 35% growth in net assets have allowed the college to make significant investments in the campus without borrowing. And then it says, in addition, the college's endowment has increased by almost 92% since she assumed the presidency. Oof. 92%. I mean, snaps to that. That is impressive. Granted, Cedar Crest College's total endowment is only about $37 million, which is very small compared to Oberlin's $1 billion endowment. But I will say, because I don't want to give Cedar Crest College too much hate, they are a very small school, and they also have some very niche strengths. They are ranked number two in art therapy programs and number six for nursing schools in Pennsylvania. So, okay, you know, small but strong. We love it. So anyway, this type of track record made Carmen Ambar a very appealing candidate to Oberlin. Fittingly, in 2017, the college was in a dire financial situation and in desperate need of new leadership. So let's talk about how that happened and examine the timeline of presidents at Oberlin to see where Carmen Ambar fits into the equation. So before Carmen Ambar, there was Martin Krislov, who was president of the college for 10 years. And during his time as president, this man, Martin Krislov, apparently he was he was blowing money like there was no tomorrow. I mean, that's not really what happened, but he didn't do a good job regulating Oberlin spending in a way that would be financially sustainable for the future. In fact, he did such a bad job that by the time he stepped down in 2017, Oberlin was $179 million in debt. Ah. <laughs> so you get the picture. Oberlin was in big financial trouble that probably would have only gotten worse had nobody stepped in. And that's what Carmen Ambar did. The first thing she did was launch the One Oberlin Report. And according to the One Oberlin Report webpage, it has its own special webpage. It says, in the spring of 2018, Oberlin College launched an extraordinary project of institutional self-examination and strategic reimagining. I'm getting bored. <laughs> So basically, Oberlin did a comprehensive independent audit to reconfigure their budget and just figure out how to stop losing money. Now, one thing that the one Oberlin report focused on was Oberlin's deficit. I know I talked about Oberlin's debt before, and I should clarify what the difference is between debt and deficit for anyone who doesn't know. So debt is the money that Oberlin owes for things that they own now, like property and, I don't know, like pianos <laughs> or whatever. And debt is actually pretty normal. A deficit is the difference between spending and revenue. So how much Oberlin was raking in versus their expenses. 
And according to the one Oberlin report, the deficit is what was really alarming here. It says between the years 2016 and 2017, Oberlin had a deficit of about 52 million. And at the rate that we were going at, that deficit would have increased to 162 million. So things could have been really, really bad. And it's obvious that just changes needed to be made. And made they were. <laughs> After the one Oberlin report came out, Carmen Ambar got to work. The first big notable change she made was trimming the conservatory down by 100 students while simultaneously adding 100 to the college in 2019. Why? To put it in short, con students cost more money. They usually require more financial aid and their instruction is costlier, etc. You know, I, I forgot we had a conservatory, to be honest. Um, but anyway, moving on, I'm just going to bullet point some of the big changes she's made at Oberlin so that you can get like a big picture of what Carmen Ambar has done so far. So the other big thing was union busting. In 2020, Carmen Ambar signed off on a decision to fire over 100 unionized dining and custodial workers right before the pandemic. This decision was cruel, to say the least, and had devastating effects on workers in the community. I actually did an episode on this where I interviewed Mary Dorr, my freshman year custodian, and I highly recommend you check it out. Another decision, she refused to pay our professors. <laughs> Oberlin was already lagging in its peer group in terms of faculty compensation. Faculty members were promised that this would change and that they would receive raises. However, last year, the administration went back on that promise and said that wages would remain stagnant. Ugh, awful, awful. She also outsourced student health to a Catholic health system, which would deny students access to reproductive and contraceptive care. This includes birth control, gender-affirming hormonal treatment, and emergency contraceptives like Plan B. The Oberlin Review did an article on the horrific ramifications <laughs> of this decision, and it wasn't until yesterday, actually, after being heavily criticized in the media, did Ambar announce that the college would last minute partner with Lorain County Family Planning Services so that students could get the care that we need. But, like, this should concern you. This decision was literally made this past summer after Roe v. Wade was overturned, which already severely limited access to reproductive care in Ohio as is. And just like what hurts the most is that the decision to switch to Harness Health was made right after Carmen Ambar attended a conference with Vice President Kamala Harris to talk about reproductive rights on college campuses. During that conference, she said this. This is a long quote, and I'm going to skip ahead. So she said, Young men and women are facing mounting challenges to secure a quality academic experience. We promise to provide access to quality health care provided by organizations that are committed to reproductive rights. Okay. So, like... She said that and then took away those very reproductive rights. So in conclusion, uh, she's a liar. <laughs> no, it's just, it's very contradictory. Like there's 
absolutely no justification for this. But anyway, moving on, because we are on a time crunch. Some other things that have happened under Ambar's leadership that are general student life things, but there was no like official announcement from her. So Oberlin has continued to over-enroll for the past two years to maximize tuition revenue, and as a result, they have faced serious housing shortages year after year. And we all have to be on the most expensive dining plan now. Back in the day, three years ago, you could actually choose how many meal swipes you had per week, and it was great. Um... Our printing money went from $40 a semester in 2019 to $30 now. And I'm like, bitch, that's not how inflation works. Um, As an English major, I found that last one to be particularly egregious. So I know I'm missing like 50 things, but those were some major things that have made Oberlin worse in my opinion. But let's talk about some good things that Ambar has done. She launched the One Oberlin Report, which I think was a good thing. Another thing that happened under her leadership were the business and journalism concentrations, which I think are really cool. This podcast originally started out as part of my concentration in journalism, so that's cool. But anyway, going back to why she sucks... um, (laughs) And before you say she handled COVID well, uh, no, she didn't. In the beginning of the pandemic, Oberlin received positive press for its COVID response, but that lasted like a semester, bro, and Oberlin failed to adapt its measures as the pandemic continued. First of all, like, do you remember when they straight up just lost our stuff? Um whatever like remember when they completely ignored the delta variant for the first half of summer in 2021 or when they straight up just ran out of covid tests right before winter term last year after too many people tested positive so yes and i understand that the pandemic has been hard and has tested the leadership of presidents in all countries and colleges but like she's not our knight in shining armor and i feel like when oberlin did handle the pandemic well that was largely thanks to the students for following the policies not carmen ambar but moving on we have to ask ourselves have any of the decisions that she's made worked so far has oberlin actually managed to get back on track financially The answer is we don't really know. There has not been a follow-up to the One Oberlin Report. Um, If you go to the website, there is an update in 2020 about a lot of one-time draws that had to be made from the endowment to cover like testing costs and pandemic-related expenses, so we don't really know. I also think that most of the praise that Carmen Ambar gets is very superficial. Like, this one article from the Wall Street Journal says, blah, 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 blah. As president of Oberlin College in Ohio, Carmen Tully Ambar has hosted boot camps for students, challenged them to tire flip competition, and occasionally joins the football team for workouts. But, like, you can't compliment the president for promoting health on campus while she's also denying students medical care, bro. <laughs> Uh, it's so yucky. Well, but then again, 
She also, okay kids, she also does this thing every year for seniors in May. It's this garden party at her house and there's like free mimosas and I went to that and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm gonna get drunk on the college's dime. And I, <laughs> I hated her significantly less after that. So honestly, she's not that bad, but I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm also saying all of this without offering any type of solution because I do not have one. But my conclusion is this. I think that Carmen Ambar is trying to lead the college in the right direction, but she is also making decisions that are causing tangible harm to the very community that she represents. She is forcing us all to tighten our belts and pay more for a comparatively worse Oberlin than in years past. Meanwhile, she seems to be enjoying the luxurious lifestyle that comes with being president of an elite college. So I really think we have to look at how we define progress in general. Carmen Ambar is the first woman of color to take on the role of president, and that's dope. Like, I love to see people of color in positions of power. Like, I love that. Like, I think that's super progressive, and I think that's great. However, if you just do the tiniest bit of digging, if you pick up your little plastic sandcastle shovel and just do the teeniest, tiniest bit of digging, you'll see that she's made some decisions that I don't think are progressive at all. Um, like turning Oberlin into a school where its employees are not paid fairly and the students don't have access to quality and equitable health care. Like, I, I don't think that's progressive. I, I really don't. I don't think that's good at all. But anyway, okay. Yeah, we're boarding in 15 minutes. To summarize, Oberlin was in big financial trouble before Ambar. Ambar made all these decisions to fix those problems, decisions that arguably compromise Oberlin's values and paints a very bleak picture of what Oberlin will be like in the future. These decisions say that Oberlin, as it was when it stuck to its values, simply cannot survive going forward. And I believe that with Ambar as president, Oberlin College will make it. Like, it won't go bankrupt. Like, we will see Oberlin continue as an institution. However, it won't be the Oberlin that we know and love. Ugh, sad sad and bleak, very bleak. I think that if this is really the only way forward, then we should all make Carmen Ambar live in barrows for solidarity. Or like make her, make her eat the poisonous grapes from Daycalf. Like, I mean, if we're really all in this together, I'm, no, I'm kidding. No one, no one deserves that. So anyway, ah, okay, all right, I have to go. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked this episode, please let me know on Instagram, email. It will be a little hard to reach me for the next three months. But thank you so much for listening and for your support throughout this project. Hang in there, Oberlin. Have a wonderful semester, and I will see you next time.